I'm going to introduce uh, Roberts this morning. He's a man really that needs no introduction. Many of you know who he is, but he carries a great anointing. Many people believe that he... Um, he is the greatest, and we believe it, the greatest church historian alive today. He's spent the last 40 years of his life studying church history and church revival, and uh, he, he's, been, he's had an opportunity to have conversations with, with men and women who have literally changed the course of history for the church, and uh, he is a great man of God who carries an anointing that's guaranteed to make you grow. I can't promise you anything else this morning, but when you leave here, you're going to, your spirit and your, your, your Christian walk will be bigger than it was when you walked in here. And so I want you to open your hearts and your minds and stand to your feet and welcome Dr. Robert Slearden this morning. All right. Thank you, Dan. Have fun. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Thank you. Give somebody a hug or a high five, and then you may be seated if you haven't already sat down. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. May I say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year late. So I uh, spent the latter part of last year, uh, just got back December 30th, uh, in Asia about two and a half months. I was in Hong Kong and Japan and Taiwan and China and South Korea and Singapore and Philippines. So while you were eating turkey, I was trying to eat sushi, which is not my cup of tea. I'll say it that way. Japanese know one thing, raw fish. They bring it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So thank God for McDonald's and Outback that has a missionary spirit. So uh, I was so happy that Outback was everywhere this time on this trip. And so, but it's good to be back home with you and back with the, with the church and back in America. Uh, I love the foreign field, but there's no place like home. Amen. So let's keep praying for our nation, praying for our president and our leaders and, and our future. Uh, let's don't get angry. Let's just take all that frustration that some of you may have and put it to prayer and prophesy and faith and good works. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles, if you have them, to the book of St. John. That's where we'll start this morning. And uh, while you're finding that particular book in the New Testament, um, I've written a, a couple new books since I saw you last. Uh, now, I think I've got close to 71 books out. Have you read them all yet? That is just called sin. And that sin can only be removed by reading one of my books, okay? So I only brought some of my new ones. My latest general's book, uh, God's General's Book, Volume 5, is out. So you can go and pick that up. This volume deals with some of the great missionaries that went first to the nations. We tell the story in here about the 100-year prayer meeting that happened with the, what we call the Moravian people that prayed for 100 years, uh, almost night and day, but at least every day, for God to send what we would call a worldwide missionary spirit. Because at one time, the church didn't believe in world missions. They didn't believe that you had to go and preach to, as they would call it, the heathen, uh, the, the lost. They just believed those that would be saved would be saved, and those that weren't destined to be saved, well, that was just too bad for you. And there was no missionary spirit like we have today. The church here, Pastor Pigam said, we're going to go to Dominican, we're going to go to the Philippines. That didn't happen two, three hundred years ago. You think it was, but it wasn't. The mission world that we know began strongly after the year, 100-year uh, prayer meeting. And all of a sudden, God birthed in the hearts of men and a few women to begin to say, the heathen should be saved. And how can they be saved unless someone goes tells them? 
And so they had to pioneer the idea to go to the foreign mission field. And so we tell that story, and we talk about David Livingston, William Carey, David Brainerd, Amy Carmichael, and then I talk about the first African-American single missionary that would America ever sent. Her name was Betsy Stockton. You probably don't know her. She was a slave that got free, that was a Christian, and she felt led to be a missionary. But the American Missionary Society only sent white people at that time because they didn't know how to deal with the African-Americans yet. No offense, but welcome to history. But this little group of missionary senders interviewed her like they did everybody else and said, she's a Christian and she has a call to go to missions. We want to send her. And so they were concerned that if they put her on a team of just white missionaries, there may be some prejudice or some bad will. So they called the team that they were sending to the Sandwich Islands. You know what they're called today? The Hawaiian Islands. So they were in New England, so they got on a wooden boat, they went down and under South America, and up to Hawaii, it was 18,000 miles in a wooden boat by sail. And so they brought the little missionary group together and said, we want to put Betsy on this team to go to Hawaii to work as a missionary, but we want you all to agree. And they wrote up a covenant of how they would treat her. She was equal in every way. She could preach, she could teach, she could serve. Her voice in decision-making was equal to everybody. They signed it, and they did it. Isn't that great? They had no problem. And so this little group of missionaries gets off the boat in Hawaii. Now, it's not like it, it is today back then. The natives were mostly half naked, if not totally naked. And the great tribal leader, there was a prophecy in the Hawaiian people. Because years ago, a mean, demonic leader from Tahiti had come and conquered them. And when the, that guy that submitted to the Tahitian, I guess, bad, you know, leader prophesied, there'll come a white person he saw in a vision. There'll come a white person one day, and when he comes, he'll be carrying a black box. So when they got off the boat, they had a black box because that's where they kept their Bibles because on the way over, they didn't want the dampness and stuff to hurt their Bibles. And they walked off the boat with a black box and they remembered the prophecy. And that became the largest Protestant church at that time of over 10,000 members in the 1700s. Can you believe that the Hawaiian Islands at that time was the largest Protestant church in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he can do it again. Amen. So you, you'll enjoy all the new stories in that book. Amen. Everybody happy? Yeah. Are, you, are you still saved or have you backslidden since I saw you last? We, we can have a repentance service. So uh, all the other books are back there. I'll just mention this one. I'm so proud that our God Generals for Kids books are still coming out. Our next volume is out with Daddy Seymour. So you can get them. Uh, the most important person in the world is not you. Is that a great way to start a sermon? Just insult everybody in the opening remarks of my sermon. You are not the most important person in the world. That's hard for us to believe, isn't it? Because we always think we are the top dog. That's the human nature. And the most important person in the world is not Obama. I didn't say that for political purposes, but it's not the king of Spain. But it is who Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. 
The most important person in the world today is the person of the Holy Spirit who was sent by Jesus, the Savior of the world. And so I want today, as we start the new year, right? We're in the new year. Only two people know we're in the new year. <laughs> January 15th is the new year, okay? Christmas is over. New Year's came. Welcome. Oh, Jesus, help this crowd. <laughs> Raise the dead today, I ask, for that miracle too. All right, John 14, we're going to look at some things that Jesus said. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit so we can have a little bit of a reminder today because he is the person that Jesus sent. So that makes him priority in our life today. He said in John 14, 16, I will pray to the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another comforter. The first comforter was Jesus with the 12 apostles. So he was saying to them and to us, I've been with you. I've encouraged you. I've brought miracles. I've done wonders here. And so they had a security. But he kept telling the disciples, I'm a leaving. I'm a leaving. I'm leaving. And they kept getting nervous every time they said, I'm leaving, because they left their business. They left their families. They left everything they knew. And they joined the revolutionary called Jesus. And so he says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send another comforter. The comforter he sent to them is the one he sent to us. Amen? Same one. There's not two Holy Ghosts. There's one. Thank you for the no amens on that point. Are you sure we're in church or in the Rotary Club? We got one hallelujah. It's $5 for that one. All right. He said, I will send you. Oh, the pastor woke up. Praise the Lord. Thank you, sir. $5. For, no, you're a $10 amen. All right. Don't you love Pastor Jim? Great guy. Have you got his book yet? Now, the next one, have you actually read it? Have you read the chicken story? That's my favorite story in the book. So when you go to Asia... Bring a chicken on stage with you and tell that story. They'll love it. Because there's chickens all over the Philippines. And they cluck at midnight. All right. He'll send you another comforter. And he'll abide with you forever. All right? That's my first point. The Holy Spirit is not the dove like everybody thinks. I know. Here I go. The dove symbol of the Holy Spirit came on Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit came on the church, he came as a rushing mighty wind. Sometimes we're trying, some people limit the Holy Spirit by only looking at the symbolism and the characteristic of a dove as the only way the Holy Spirit works. He does not, he did not come on us in a dove symbol. He came on us as a rushing, mighty wind. It wasn't even a breeze. It was a wind, the Bible says. So it shows that he was eager to get here. He is strong in his person, and he's everywhere. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So we need to kind of change the symbolism of how we relate and yield to the Spirit. Let the dove be the dove, and let it be over there. And bring the wind over here, okay? Because some of the things that you were prophesied to or that God showed you, he wanted to do to you or through you, and we go, why hasn't it happened? 
it may be because of how you view the Holy Spirit limits him in his working because you don't receive the other side of his power or personality, if you want to say it that way. And let me say again, he only came one time as a dove on Jesus. We have no other dove picture in the life of Jesus or in the, in the book of, uh, of Acts at all. It only came on Jesus. So when you go to a Christian bookstore and you ask, do you have a picture of the Holy Spirit? They give you a dove. <laughs> ask for a wind. Or really ask for an ox, and they'll never understand that comment. Because the creature that best symbolizes the anointing of this moment is the ox. Proverbs 14, 4, this little side journey. The strength of an ox causes much increase. Not just increase, but much increase. We need much increase in our life, in the church, in our city, and of course, in our country. Amen? And so we've got to allow the ox side of the Holy Spirit to come alive. Now, if you read the Bible, look at all the time the oxes are mentioned. Ezekiel 1, one of the faces was an ox. Now, you don't even go to a stuffed animal store for toys and say, do you have a baby ox stuffed animal? They don't even have that. An ox is not something people think about, but it is scriptural. It is there, and we need that side of him in the new year. Amen? But back to my verse here. When I was growing up in the Pentecostal church, we were told more of how the Holy Spirit would leave. He left all the time. I knew the 15 reasons why he would leave. Wrong music on the radio coming to church, he left. Uh, the wrong TV show, he left the house. I mean, the list of how he left was a book. And I don't find that in the Bible. I found that in my tradition. And as I grew up, I knew all the things of why the anointing and the Holy Spirit would, like a dove, fly away. But Jesus said, he has super glue to you. He abides with you forever. So he's not flying away every moment of your life. Plus, Psalm says, in a time of trouble, he's your present or close help. So when there's trouble, he don't go, ah, and move away. He gets closer to you. What leaves you are humans. People, when there's trouble in a church or in somebody's family or a job, they go, oh, oh, mm, and they walk far enough away to where they feel they're safe. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He abides with you forever. So as we start the new year, if you're raised like me, take all those Tweety bird departures and throw them out of your life and let super glue be how you see the Holy Ghost in your life. Amen. I mean, I remember when I was first started preaching, if we had the wrong radio on the car when they picked you up, I lost the anointing. If I looked at a billboard and there was a, almost a naked girl, I lost the anointing on the when I saw it. I mean, everything, I almost wanted to shut your eyes and walk like this to church and then is it okay to come out? Because you didn't want to lose the anointing. I'm so glad the Holy Ghost is not like that. It'd be exhausting to keep him. You just go to the prayer closet and live the rest of your life in the closet. 
Amen? So Jesus said, let me look at it again. He said, he'll abide with you forever. Contemporary Laredan translation, he's supergluing himself to you. The only way the Holy Spirit will leave you, really, is if you just get up with a sincere heart and tell him, get out of my life. You can tell him to leave, and he'll leave. Reluctantly, but he'll leave because he respects you. Most of you, probably none of you, are going to do that. But sometimes people think, well, is he going to leave? If you tell him, Holy Spirit, I don't want you. Get off of me. Get out of me. Leave. He'll leave. But the same manner if you say, come, he comes. Amen? Amen? He's super gluing himself to you this year. So don't be afraid he's leaving. Let the dove be the dove. Let's get super glue Holy Ghost, okay? He's not going to be scared even if you do something wrong. That really hurts Pentecostal doctrine. If you sin this year very dramatically and it ends up on the six o'clock news, that's called big time. He's not going to leave you even then. He's going to stay right there to help you and to assist you. Hopefully you don't sin that big. Hopefully sin keeps getting smaller and smaller, smaller in your life. But I know human nature, you still goof it because I do. I know you're holier than I, but, you know, we still have those moments when we have to say, I'm sorry. And he don't go, ah, I'm out of you for six weeks. He doesn't do that. (laughs) Your punishment is all gifts, all power leaves for six weeks. He doesn't do that. He's a nice Holy Ghost. He's better than Casper. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Good, you're livening up. All right, let's continue. Verse 17, he said, the spirit of truth, which is another name that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit. So that means he's not a liar, and he doesn't play little foolish games and tricks on you. He's truth. He speaks it. He shows it. He deals in truth. He don't play tricks. So you don't have to worry about the Holy Spirit playing a little game with you. He's not that kind of God. He's the spirit of truth. He's honest. He's forthright. He tells you what he thinks, what he feels, what he knows. It's always no hidden message. Now, people, a different story. Pastoring, you need double grace to survive the counseling office. And you need the discerning of spirit to find out what they're really saying. Because you can't sometimes because they're doing codes and messages and tricks. And I'm like, would you just shut up and tell me what's going on? Well, no, don't even go to the well. It's a deep subject. I don't want to go deep. I want to go straight. (laughs) Amen? Thank God that the gifts of the Spirit help counseling go faster. You'll get that next week. All right. Then he says this, whom the world cannot receive. All right. So a non-believer has not received the Holy Spirit. And here is one reason that Jesus said, why? So when you meet someone that is not a believer in Christ, has not been born again, they've not received the Holy Spirit because they cannot receive because they don't see him. The world functions mainly by the sense world. Sight, mainly, hearing are the two main things. So we as Christians probably don't see as much as we would like in visions and things. We have some. I like to have one every day, but I don't, and you don't either. Hint, hint for you super space cadets. 
I believe in visions. I believe that God grants them, but not as much as some people say they're out. You must be smoking something. Or you're sipping something besides holy grape juice. There's something else going on here, okay? So, you know, I believe he grants them. I believe visions are on the increase, but still, I think sometimes we have to be a little careful that things that we just don't have religious imaginations or things like that. But what we do in our life, we sense the presence of God more than the actual seeing of him. Not saying you can't see, but you will sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus, the presence of angels. You will sense them. We live out of our inner man's awareness more than our outward man's detections. Amen? They asked Catherine Kuhlman one time, because she had a wonderful, as you know, beautiful healing ministry. You're thinking, if anybody deserved a vision, Miss Kuhlman deserved at least once a week. You know, she had that kind of beautiful ministry. And a newspaper person asked her, have you ever seen Jesus in a vision or, you know, one of these type of things. She goes, I have not. I was so disappointed when I read the, I thought, you haven't. I thought you deserve it. I mean, of all the people I've read about, I thought you deserve at least you know, once a month or at least once your lifetime and glows to the wall and says hi and walks out the other side, something like that. She goes, I, I've never seen an angel or Jesus, but I have felt his presence. And that was almost, when I read that and I heard her say that one time on a cassette, I thought, she has a reality of him that doesn't require sight. And I thought, I wouldn't mind having it that way too, that I know his presence. I don't have to see because I can perceive and that's more real than having a picture, even, even though it's supernatural. Amen. Not knocking it, but the world doesn't receive the Holy Spirit because they can't see him. That's how they live. And it says they don't know him because they don't have him dwelling in them, Jesus said. And notice he says here, and he shall dwell or be in you. So here's the great thing about the Spirit of God. He don't live in the clouds. He don't live in the wind that flows through Sarasota palm trees. He lives inside of you. That's one of the great mysteries of the gospel, that the God of the universe and the Holy Spirit did, did, did all the wonderful things, lives inside of every one of us all the time once you've received him. So he don't get mad and pout in there because of something. He's a living, cooperative, lifting, helping spirit inside of you 24-7. Amen. Amen? So this is something that is beautiful. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes in you, the first thing he does, I believe, is Romans 8, 16. Go there in this verse. He tells us that we are part of God's family. Let me read the verse to you. So please open your Bibles or turn your phones on to this passage. Okay? Please know your Bible. It's all right to have experiences, but your Bible knowledge should be bigger than your experiential life. Yeah. Amen? Romans 8, 16, look at it, underline it. It says, the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit, little s, our spirit, that we are the children of God. So the first thing the Holy Spirit does when he comes in a person's life at the born-again moment is he lets you know you're in the family. <laughs> 
You're in, I'm going to say the club, but I don't like that word. You're in the family. You are an heir and joint heir with Christ Jesus. You're connected. It don't matter what your age is, your color, your background, or how goofy you were. When you receive Christ, you're in. And all the rights, privileges, and authorities are yours equal to the one that has lived 50 years for Christ and you're five days old in Christ. You have the same equality of all the beauty, the power, the benefits of being in God's family. And to me, what is so wonderful about the Holy Spirit is he tells you that you're a part of God's family in your personal language. Now, let me qualify that. One of the great miracles of God that we don't talk about is that God speaks 7 billion languages at the same time. Okay? What I mean by that is we all have our personal language that have how we talk, think, and process things. God knows how we think and process and talk. He uses our language and the scriptures to talk to us. I have a friend that is so smart, he could, be, he could send a rocket to Mars and back. He's a rocket scientist. So I like hanging out with him because it proves how ignorant I am and how smart he is. And I like all that science space stuff. So I like to hear him talk about it and do all that kind of stuff. So when I'm with him in California, we do science space talk. And I made this comment in a sermon. He goes, he goes God talks to me in mathematics. I thought, I'm praise God he don't talk to me that way. <laughs> Because I think algebra is of the devil. I don't understand how you can multiply and divide letters and come up with a number. But somehow you can do that. So in school, I didn't do good in math. Thank God I passed, but it was called by grace. So he, God speaks to him in mathematics and scientific things. And, and he has some great revelations from the word and how God taught but God talks to me in, in, in culture, in history, in scripture, and farm animals. Because <laughs> I grew up around farm people. If you talk to my mom, they talk about farms. Sometimes I'll tell them, we're not country anymore, okay? But that's where we come from. I understand chickens. I understand pigs. I understand cows. I understand. So you'll talk to me in these kind of things or historical figures, which you may not get because that's not your personal language. God talks your language and scripture in your language to you. So he witnesses, he speaks to you that you're in the family. And he does it on two occasions. He does affirm to you when you first get saved. And then he does it throughout your life when you're in a trial and the devil's beating you up and you think, God don't like me. He comes and tells you, you're still my child. And then he does it just when everything's going beautiful just to say, you're still my child. Not because there's a crisis. He just wants to let you know he still loves you. Isn't that nice how God confirms your relationship with him, not just in a challenge, but just driving down the streets of Sarasota. He may say, I love you. You're still in the family. You think, why did I do so? No, he's just affirming to you, you're cool. You're in it. It's okay. I like when he does that. He did it to me the other day when I was flying home from Asia. He goes, thank you. I thought, what? He said, thank you. It's nice when God says, thank you. You know, he does appreciate what you do for him. Well, I'm working for him. He does say thank you. Have you ever heard God say thank you? 
Is that nice when God goes, thank you? It's flying home from Asia, the eternal flight from Manila to Tampa, and then that eternal drive from Tampa to Sarasota. I wish they would shrink that road. 45 minutes of eternity. If you've flown, you know, 18 hours, you got to drive that out. I was like, Jesus. Fix that Sarasota airport and grow it. Is that a good prayer for this year? Okay. All right. Now, let's go to Galatians chapter 5, because we're still talking about the Holy Spirit in us, and I need to move a little bit quicker. But when he comes in, he witnesses that we're, we're his child, we're, we're in his family. Then he starts working on your character. Now, normally when I preach this lesson, I take a week, because there's 18 points. So I'm not going to preach all but nine. No, I'm just joking. You'll have to study them out. But when the Spirit begins to work in you, He starts working on to help you bear nine fruits of the Spirit. The nine fruits of the Spirit is by where we have our character foundation. So let me read them to you. We want the Holy Spirit to help us this year to grow in our character. Now you say, Brother Roberts, I'm 80 years old. You still need character help from God. When I'm 100, he'll still be going, uh, we need to work on this fruit. We need to work on this. So this is not going to stop. So just welcome this as a part of your life for the rest of your life. You don't arrive. You keep growing. Thank you for the three amens from the blonde-headed ladies in the building. All right. Verse 22 of Galatians 5. Just read them to you. I know that you know them, but let's read them just in case you forgot what they were. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against there is no law. So when the Spirit is in us, He witnesses to us that we're His child in God's family and all the benefits and so forth. And then He starts going, now that I'm inside and I see you from the inside, we have some work to do. Amen? He's not mad at what he sees. He's a great construction worker. And he's a happy construction worker. So when he pulls something out like, your love walk kind of stinks. We've got to increase your forgiveness and your love and forgetting when you've been done wrong. All the stuff that we don't want to deal with. He pulls it out and goes, this is our focus today. Or maybe a few days. My biggest fruit problem is patience. I wish that wasn't in the Bible. Anybody else would be in that kind of club? I want it all done yesterday. I know you're all real holy and sanctified here in the church, but there's a few areas I, I, I know when he pulls out, like, oh, not that one again. Can we work on one like joy? I like that one better, or the peace one I like better, but that patience one's like, meh. But without patience and faith, you can't inherit promises. You can have faith, but if you don't have patience, you don't inherit. Because sometimes we're missing those ingredients of the great combinations in Scripture. So what I'm trying to express is he works on our character. He works on building our life where we bear these fruits of a living Christ inside of us. Amen? Then the Bible talks about, Jesus talks about in Acts chapter 1. Go there quickly. Go to the book of Acts. And he makes another statement about the Holy Spirit, 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We've talked just a moment about the Holy Spirit in you, and that's that witness you're born again, works on your character, makes you get stronger, and that part takes time, but let it work. Don't get mad because your patience didn't come fast. It takes time. You didn't get that joke, did you? It bombed. All right. Race it, and we'll go on. All right. So, but now we look at when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So the Spirit is in and on. Everybody say in, in. And, on. and on. Jesus in Acts chapter 1, he said, you shall receive power. He didn't say to receive power to glow or to vibrate or to soak extra time here in the front of the church. All you soakers have to get off the carpet sometime and go do something. Amen. So get empowered, get healed, get refreshed, and then go help somebody get saved. Go help somebody get healed. Go help somebody buy some groceries. Go do some good works for Jesus and show the kindness of God. Thank you for our nice lady right here. Amen. And me here on the front row. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. All right. Now, we Pentecostals love the upon stuff. We have a hard thing with the in stuff. Where our evangelical brothers are a little bit more embracing of the in stuff, we probably should kind of reverse it for them and reverse it for us. They need the upon stuff, and we need more of the in stuff. All right? You know, we, we, we're gift people. We like everything free and powerful. But yet, we'll prophesy your future and shoot you in the parking lot. We're here reading your future by the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and prophesying God's grace over you. And we walk outside and we see your flesh or something. We're like, bam! Oh, what is that? That's called the lack of the fruits to be patient while God's working with them and love them during, you know, we, we got to get these two things together. It's not an either or, it's another combination in scripture. We need the fruits and the gifts, not one or the other. Amen. Thank you for the more amens. We're finally getting there. All right. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon, upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he brings not fruits, but gifts. The nine gifts of the Spirit that we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go there right now. We'll just go ahead and tap it. Some of this you know, but it's good to have reminder sermons. Here's your little Bible study as you read your Bible this year, especially the New Testament. Find every place that the writer of the New Testament books would say, I remind you, I remind you, I remind you, I remind you. It's all through their writings. And you think, were they forgetful people just like you? We get busy. We get distracted. It's not a sin thing. It's just called a life thing. Things go on. And part of the job of the church is not always to pull a new rabbit out of the hat every week, but it is to remind you of scriptural truths and what God says and the beauty of God and the, the life that God asks you to live to remind you, don't forget this. Gird it up. Be aware of it. Because you get busy or you watch too many dead people walking TV shows. And you forgot to read your Bible and take time out to hear what God may want to say to you because you're enthused over the dead people walking TV show. And my question is, why are you watching it? It's called Zombies. Watch cartoons. They're better than that show. 
American TV has gone to a new level of stupid. I have to say, Andy Griffin still makes me laugh. I wish I could make more shows like that in a modern way. I can watch Lucy and Andy Griffin. I don't have to repent when I get done watching or cover my eyes like, oh, I didn't see it. It's too much work when I've been preaching all over the world, come home and have to guard myself with TV. It's too much. That's why I'm a DVD controller. I buy what I want. I control what I see because they sneak things in there and zap your brain and then it runs around for three days. And I'm too busy to have to deal with another thing. All right, you'll get that next week, too. All right, 1 Corinthians 12. All right, let's look at this last passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. When the Spirit comes on you, the nine gifts come. But I want us to highlight verse 7, for I list the nine gifts here in the Scriptures. Verse 7 says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person so that there is a profiting in their life. All right? So let me break it down. The manifestation of the Spirit, the, the work of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are given to everybody. Now, your name is all through the Bible. You just don't know where it's at. Your name is in that verse. You're an every man. You're a whosoever. So anytime you see those phrases, just take that out and put your name in there. That's legal. That's not breaking Scripture, okay? You can do that. The manifestation of the Spirit was given to Every man, you, so that there can be a prophet. Now, that language, prophet with all, it's not how we talk today. So let me give you a thought here that maybe help that to get you victory in your life, to get you to have peace in your life. He came to give you victory 100% of the time in every part of your life. That is the ultimate goal. Now, we're not all there. At least I'm not. I know you are. I can tell that the holy cloud is above your head right now. But the goal of God is for us to have victory in every area of our life all the time. That's the height. We're reaching for that. Amen? So some of you say, well, I just don't believe that. Well, if you don't, that's fine. So shut up. Don't criticize us that are going, we're going to reach. We're going to believe. We're going to go for it. So don't be damping our parade. Either cheer us or go home. Leave us alone as we go for it and we reach for it. I'm reaching for 100%. If the Lord comes or I go to heaven and I only get 85, at least it's better than 25. Amen. I'm going the best that I know. It's like those lepers in the Old Testament. I always think of them when I preach something like this. The city shut them out because they were lepers and then... The enemy was in front of them, and they, like, they were sitting there between two bad spots. And one of the guys go, why sit here and die? We're going to die anyway, but if we walk forward, they might give us a hamburger. They might, you know, let us live and feed us, you know? They got up, and they began to walk, and God gave them a miracle. And they had a private party until one felt bad about all that they were experiencing, realizing their friends were starving in the city, thinking, you think we should go tell them they can come out now? Don't sit here and survive. Don't sit here and die when Jesus paid a price to give you the benefits of his power to have an overcoming life in all parts of your life. So let's learn what it is and reach for it 
and go for it. That's why you got to go to a church that challenges you and not massages you all the time. Amen? And once in a while, kicks you and say, move. See, that's what a guest speaker does, because I'm leaving. Well, not all the time, but I'm, I'm, I'm not here all the time, so you can't beat me up. But we need to reach for this in this year. He gives the manifestation of the Spirit to everybody to help your life be victorious. There are things in our life that a good mind cannot solve. There are situations in our life that your money cannot buy. There are things that only God's power can resolve, make peace, bring to an end, or open a door. Only God can do. And he does it because he loves us. And let me say it this way, and you judge this statement. All the supernatural that you were looking for is a work of one of the nine gifts or a combination of the gifts flowing to you or through you in your life. So if we're looking for signs and wonders and the supernatural, they're mainly going to be a manifestation of one of the nine gifts. If what you're experiencing is not in the Bible, then stop it. Okay, let me say that again in Greek. If what you're experiencing, that you consider it to be of the Lord, whatever you're experiencing from God will be found in Scripture. These two agree. The Word and the manifestation of the Spirit work hand in hand. Now, in the world of experiences, there is the human experience that is nothing to do with demons or God. It's just you and your human ability, your creativity, the human person. Then there is the God experiences. Then there is the counterfeit or what we call the demon sourced or the demonic uh, side of things. This is the three worlds of experiences. So we want to be on the correct side of the spiritual life and the spiritual experiences. We all want to see the beauty of God, to see the power of God like we see in the scriptures. But somehow people begin to leave the scriptures and go places where I don't know where they are. I'm sitting in church sometimes going, what is that? And everybody thinks it's one of them. I'm thinking, Old Testament, New Testament. Shadow, type, history. I can't find it. And I'm a believer. I want to believe stuff. I'm not out here trying to put you know, a damper on your experience, but I want it to be legitimate so you don't end up on Jupiter. You stay on earth and have a good life, not be one of these flaky Christians that our evangelical brothers think we're all nuts because some of us are. Some of our evangelical brothers look at us charismatic and Pentecostal and go, these people are nuts. And I have to say, yeah, I'm sorry. Some of them are. I'm one, I, I, I preach to them. I run with them. I'm like, oh, Jesus, please, please help us. But I'll say it this way. I brother have a little wildfire that I can help teach and correct than have no fire. I'm more scared of no fire events 
than a little wildfire. If people are hungry and teachable, you can show them the word and they can make adjustments and stay in the line of good character, good Bible, good Bible experiences and have a great life. No one's taking the legitimate away from you. It is stopping the illegal and the illegitimate from hurting you or deviating you from the Christian path of a good life, good family, and sane living. Thank you for the first lady applauding me here on the front row. See, I never get a good amen because there are so many goofy things going on that no one is addressing. And I guess that's one of my jobs. I wish I didn't have the Roto-Rooter ministry. I would like to have the Catherine Kuhlman, hallelujah, but I don't have that one. I've got the one that comes with a stick and a hammer and a nail and a saw. <laughs> I guess that's my gift. I step out and slap something while everybody else just talks about it. I believe in experiences. They are scriptural. They are for us today. They belong to us, every one of you, but they need to be the right ones that bring benefit to your life and bring you closer to God and greater in his character and his image. And it shows forth fruit that others who are not of faith will go, wow, that's pretty cool. And it begins to be a sign even to the loss that there is a living God and you can live a good life, supernatural, and love your families and raise your kids and buy groceries without having a tongue and interpretation while buying Campbell's soup. <laughs> Just buy the soup and shut up. Notice I got four claps and the rest. <laughs> Some things is not a prayer. It's just if you like it, but if you don't, go get something else. I got to pray about everything. No, just buy what you like and cook it. See, this is why some of our other Christians think we're nuts because it's like God doesn't need to tell you what soup to buy. He gave you brain cells and taste buds to buy the right kind of food that you like and to eat and just buy it. You invited me. You know? All right, let's, let's read these nine gifts and I'll try to close before Jesus comes. All right? First Corinthians 12. Five minutes, okay. Uh, she's my clock here today. Uh, verse... Verse number eight, it lists nine gifts. Now, I'm going to read them because when you talk about the gifts of spirit, they're the gifts of the spirit that work in the ministry side, but also the gifts of spirit work in our private life. So I'm speaking today from our private life, not from the world of the fivefold ministry gifts, okay? He says here in verse eight, he gives to us the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gifts of, the, of, of healing, verse 10, the gifts of the working of miracles, Another gift is a gift of prophecy, then a gift of discerning of spirits, and then diverse kinds of tongues and the interpretations of tongues. These are nine gifts of power that come on you, and they come to help you get victory in your life. Now, let's read this last verse here, verse number 11. But all of these gifts, all these things, work by the same Spirit. So it's the same Holy Ghost manifesting himself in nine different powerful ways given to everybody as he wills. So the question is, when does he will the gifts for you? Now, some of you think, well, I, I haven't had the journey of the Spirit in my life for the last nine months. That's not my gift. No, no, no. All nine gifts belong to every Christian. 
all right? But when does God will it? When you need it. God wills whatever gifts, gift or gifts, that you need when you're in a circumstance to help you get victory. So you may go nine months, a year, or whatever, and some of these gifts may not manifest in your life because you didn't need them. Or you didn't meet a person you were ministering to that needed that gift. That doesn't mean that that's not your gift. They're all your gifts available to you, and God looks at your life, knows what's going on in the conversation with the lady at the grocery store or at the, on the phone call, and he knows you need a word of knowledge to help her. You need, you need to discern the Spirit to figure this out, and he wills what you need when you need it. Amen. That's when he wills it. Amen? Amen? So they're all yours. They may not come for a while because you may not have needed it, or you've not met a person that maybe needed that gift to work through you to help them in a situation, but it doesn't mean they're not yours. You're every man, and they're manifest to you, and for our churches, and for ministry on public platforms to help people get victory in their life. Now, there's three categories of the gifts. There's the revelational gifts, the utterance gifts, and the power gifts. And they're all yours. See, people go, well, I like the gifts of the Spirit. Well, I'm glad you do, but let me ask you the next question. How do you get them in your life? A lot of churches go, well, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but they never show up. <laughs> Just like the church my, grand, my, my uncle went to in North Carolina that my grandparents built years ago, believed in miracles because it was in their doctrinal statement. I don't care what's in your doctrinal statement, what's in your altar. What shows up in the cell groups? What shows up when you get together as believers fellowshipping? That's reality. That's what you believe. What you believe is what shows up. The gifts of the Spirit come into your life because, one, you know they exist and you know what they are. The more you understand something, the more it happens to you and through you. The less you understand, the less it happens. It's like people that don't know about healing. They think healing is a Las Vegas gambling dice game that you throw up a prayer and hope a healing comes down. Yeah. Well, I prayed, but they died. I guess it wasn't God's will. No, you killed them. Because <laughs> you didn't know what to do to help them. I know that was a rude statement, but you'll remember it. Maybe I'll provoke me to actually go to the Bible and read some stuff and think about it. Amen? As we start the new year, let's get the Spirit in us, reaffirm that we're part of His family, let Him work on our character, because our character is the foundation by which the gifts have to stand and flow through. If we have weak character, eventually the great gifts will cause problems with pride. That's where some of our ministers, some of our believers had tremendous gifts but their lives were not worked on, and thus it cracked, and a scandal or problem came. So let's don't keep repeating that. Let's ask the Holy Spirit, while you're in there looking around, pull up what we need to work on. I'm willing for you to bring it up. It may not be pretty, but if you're in there, find out what's behind my kidneys and fix it. 
but it's over here in this by character. And let's work on it so when the gifts and your calling and your destiny starts happening, you can go the distance. And we can look at your life and go, that's somebody we can follow in the ministry of power and in their Christian living. But we have to allow the Spirit to work on us. I need a lot of work. A lot of work. I know you're almost perfect, but I'm not there yet. So let's ask him. And then when the gifts of the Spirit come, if you don't know about them, I'm sure there's some teachings here in the church or there's good books or people can talk to you. Increase your knowledge of those gifts so when they come, when you need them, they can come and you can go, yes, and work with them to turn bad things around, to stop situations and to get victory in your life. Jesus does not want you to suffer. He suffered for you so you don't have to. The only suffering we're really supposed to do is for the word's sake, what we believe, what we preach, what we live. Not through disease, not through poverty, not through all of these things. People made those statements because they were ignorant of Scripture. The Lord made me sick to teach me something. Well, what did you learn? <laughs> Always ask a fool that says that, what did you learn? I don't know, but I learned. If you can't tell me, you didn't learn anything. See, I didn't even get four laughs on that at all, but it's true. Because I'm sure somebody in this church, if not quite a few, be like, well, the Lord did this to me so I can learn something. Then what did you learn? A sick person learns it's not good to be sick. A broke person learns it's not nice to be broke. So we want God to help us in those areas and others to do what we need to do. Amen? So let's stand up for a moment. We're going to pray. You enjoy my little Bible lesson today? Amen. Did I help you? Okay. All right. I'm obeying. Praise the Lord. The number one way to get this work in your life is by asking with your mouth for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And to say, I want this. I need this. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's, He's not a demon. A demon forces his nature on and into a person's life. The Bible says, the Lord stands at the door and knocks. If you'll open, I'll come in and talk with you and eat with you and be with you. So there is a requirement on our side to ask him. Our words open the door to our heart and our life. Not my words for you, your words for yourself. I can pray a blessing over you, but I can't really make the Holy Spirit through my words go into your life. That is your control. That is your dominion. So we're going to take a moment here, and I want you to ask from your own mouth, your own heart, Holy Spirit, while you're in me, help me become a better quality Christian with my character. And all those little things that you see that I've kind of tried to forget, pull them up and let's take care of them. Let, 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 let's get the foundation. Let's get our character growing. Let's get it healing. Let's get it strong. So when we come over and say, let your powerful gifts, when you come upon me, flow, that there's a good foundation and these two work together. We have to invite him to do both and tell him, I like the gifts. I want the gifts. Bring them in my life, in my family. So we're going to take a few moments. You can do it in English or in tongues, however you want to do it, but let's just lift our hands as a sign of reaching out to God. 
It's a universal sign and a sort of sign that I'm reaching, I'm surrendering. And just tell the Holy Spirit right now, help me with my character. Help me to bear fruit. I want the gifts of the Spirit also in my life. Holy Spirit, we come to you individually and even as a corporate family. And we are so glad that Jesus sent you. We respect you. We honor you. We recognize that you are alive and you are here. And we thank you that you live in us and you come upon us. We welcome both of those things we see from Scripture. Help us to bear fruit bigger and better than we ever have in our life. Let this year be a year where our fruit astounds even us as we look back at the end of this year. Help us with our love, our joy, our peace, our meekness, our patience. Help us with all of these things. And Holy Spirit, we're so happy that there are your great gifts you give us to get us victory. We like them. We want them. And we open up our lives for those gifts to come into us and help us get victory and to flow through us to help other people that we may meet that need victory. Let the gifts of the Spirit flow in our life as a lifestyle. We welcome you in these ways. And Holy Spirit, I recognize you as the greatest teacher of all teachers. And I ask you to take the words I've said today, expand them, adjust them in everybody's heart and mind to where good comes from this message. That as they go home, that they'll think and they'll hear your voice and see things they've not seen. Teach us how to cooperate better. Teach us how to flow more fluently with all that you're doing. We welcome you and your comfort, your fruits, and your gifts in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Give God a wonderful clap offering if you wouldn't. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're sick or you're in pain or you're under some type of attack and you need some prayer. Would you lift your hand up real high and say, Pastor, I need some prayer. Don't be embarrassed. We're family. We're going to pray for you. Everybody, would everybody look around the room and if you're close to somebody with their hands raised, would you go over and touch them? The Bible says lay hands on those that need sick, that are sick or need help. And we're going to pray for them right now before we dismiss. Thanks, Pastor. Just go ahead and lay your hands on them and just start to pray in English or speak in other tongues if you feel led. And just begin to pray for God's healing and God's answers and God's deliverance comes over them. I pray for you today in the name of Jesus that that which has come to buffet your body, your spirit, and your mind, your money, or your family, get out of your life in Jesus' name. We command the demonic attack to stop, confusion to go. We pray that your body be healed, that it functions how God created it to function. Be strong and be healed in your body. Be at peace in your mind. Be whole in your spirit. I pray for you to be delivered, for you to be lifted up, 
I command the spirit of death and defeat and despair to stop speaking to you and to get out of your family, out of your house, out of your car, out of your office where you work. Let there be joy and peace and answers for you. In the name of Jesus, be healed, be free, be lifted in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give God one more good shout. Hallelujah. Amen.